Hello and welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. On today's special episode, I'm joined by David Forrest. David, how are you? I'm well. Um, I've already um, battled with one member of the Holloway family tonight on the podcast, so why not just <laughs> battle another? I thought we were in for a, a nice sort of relaxing half hour or so. Then. I didn't know this was going to be a battle. Uh, and we're also joined by Chair of the Jags Foundation, Andrew Holloway. Andrew, thanks for joining us tonight. How are you doing? Yeah, no problem. Um, I'm very good. It's been a long Monday, so yeah, looking forward to this. Thanks for having me on. No problem. It's good to have you on. Uh, we're just going to ask you some questions about your relationship with Thistle and your work off the field with the Covenant. David's going to kick us off. Yeah, so I just wanted to forget a wee brief overview about how you got into supporting Thistle. What's your early memories and you know your growing up as a Thistle fan? Yeah, so I mean. I, I guess what happened one day was I came home from school and said to my dad or my mum, probably my dad, I'd like to go and watch some football. And from there, my dad, who, who you guys know, I think he's been on with you earlier, he had been a party Thistle supporter earlier in his life and then had fallen away from it, like, like many people do when they have families, different things, challenges, they move, geography changes, etc., I assume that just rekindled. Well, he didn't. He didn't want us to support the old firm. Any of the children, myself, my older sister, and Heather as well. He didn't want any of us to support the old firm through choice. So he took us along to Firhill. It, the first season was for me was the season we went down at Tanadice. So not the best start. I, I don't massively remember any of the games that year, but I remember quite a bit about the next season. I remember going to Airdrie and being 4-2 up with not long to play at all. And Brian McPhee scoring two goals, including one that I remember being very good, but I can't remember why it was very good. And we're going to Boghead and watching us beat Clyde Bank. And the first home goal I remember is David Moss scoring for us against Falkirk. David Moss was my favourite player at the time. And I think we met him in Greaves back in the day. He might have even worked in Greaves. And I got his autograph in Greaves. So that was very exciting for young Andrew Holloway. And from there, it, it, it just went on and it became it became something that we did as a family every week. We went away a lot. We were at all home games. Um, Heather came along as well when she, when she was pretty young. Iona, my other sister, fell away from it probably a wee bit earlier. She had other interests. She was a very good sportswoman. She was she was playing a lot of hockey. And then was lucky enough through through various means, the, the old Harry Rags Forum being one to to meet some some really good people who, you know, some are very good friends. My best man I met through Partick Vessel, Brian, other really good friends, people I'm close to, people like Ian McKinnon. I'd never have come across them without that early interest so 
yeah, I hope that answers the question, David. It definitely does answer the question, and it sounds like a really sort of happy and positive introduction to Thistle. So at what point did you sort of become aware that you wanted to become a little bit more than a fan and get involved in some of the off-the-pitch matters? I think when you're willing to put your opinion out there like I am, I always was forthright. I took an interest on off the field, but if you're going to put up on social media and in person with people, if, if, you're, if you're given the opportunity to step forward, you have to take it. Um, you can't just shut up when it might get a little bit more difficult for you personally, professionally, whatever, to get involved. So I've been noisy on social media in the past. I've probably upset a few people on social media in the past, being maybe too forthright in reflection. But I always like to have a view on things. I like to be informed. I like to understand the background to things. And as I got a little bit older, probably a bit more experienced, I felt I always felt I could maybe contribute something at some point. And I always had in the back of my mind that I probably had been a bit mouthy at times. But if you're going if you're if you've if you're willing to be mouthy on a party festival forum, on a Facebook thread, etc., I feel personally that you have to be willing to to step up if you're asked. And yeah, that's why I was um I was willing to sort of help out I've helped out people, other people can be judged if I've helped out, but help out in, in different ways around about the football club. So obviously you've been in with, there's been obviously multiple incarnations of the Jags Foundation. I believe you've been for, for most of them in varying roles and stuff like that. So what's it been like, the sort of changes in the Jags Foundation from where it started to now? Like what, how, what was that like? Very, very quickly, I volunteered to get involved in initial working groups and was placed on a working group which Paul Goodwin led. And there was a good few of us on, good people. I think most are probably now foundation members, if not all of them. And that work started, and then, you know, we had various you know, COVID and stuff like that, speed bumps in the road. And then, as, you, as everyone will know, or most people will know, we had the sort of coming, when, when TGF1, was I, I wasn't on the initial TGF1 board, but I was close to one or two people on that board, probably Sandy Fife in particular. I was sort of getting to know and him and I have ended up probably working really well together. But at that point, we were beginning to think we could work well together. Then there was that sort of point when TGF1 got rejected and a lot of us have been very, very vocal about, you know, how TGF1 had been doing, what we felt. The existing incumbents had been doing with the football club and yeah a few of us got together a number of us signed an open letter that open letter got insane traction i ran the excel spreadhead i might remember this i ran the excel spreadsheet that tried to capture every single name that signed the open letter and it, and it became completely unmanageable and at that point a few of us in particular got together a whatsapp group to set up and Different people were added in at different times, I think it's fair to say. And I think um, we we built up a group who we felt, you know, we felt we could work together. We felt we could do something together. The seven of us stood um, for the TGF elections for the second board. I've got to say, like, Heather might remember us as well. I'd never stood for a, a democratically elected position before. I'm not the kind of person, I don't, I'm not a nervous individual. I don't tend to get you know, stage fright. Um, I've never shot myself. Can I swear actually on this podcast? Is that allowed? That has been known to happen. 
Okay, good. Um, the way the voting worked, we understood that, I think it was a, it was a, it was a Tuesday or Wednesday, the voting closed, the voting results become available to the person running the election, which was Alan Heron, um, who was the Secretary of TGF at the time, basically immediately. And the next morning, I think most of us were getting up, getting ready for work, assuming we might get the results at like, even it's a text, like you're in or you're not in, at like half seven, eight o'clock. And Alan Heron um, was a great guy and did a lot of good work for TGF, was a retired individual. And I think he ended up, Heather, was it about half past ten? He it was, emerged it was, and let us know that, yes, he did have the results, but it would be about another hour before they were published. And as somebody who'd never ran for something democratically, I was shitting myself, to be honest, um, around what the results might say. Um, Luckily, they came out well for the seven of us who stood together, and obviously Alan and Gary, who were great, who joined as well. But yeah, sorry, did somebody raise their hand there? Do I have to invite you to you raise your hand? Sorry, Angie, it was me, but (laughs) you and I interrupt each other all the time, so it's fine. I was just to say that it was deaf, it was half 11 because I was on a school trip up a hill. And we were eating an early lunch, and I and and I found out at the top of Demayet that that we were that we that we were elected. So I I remember it very well. But it, yeah, it was quite that was quite a surreal experience, but also a cool one to do as um as siblings. Yeah, it went from there. I mean, do you want me to talk about the TGF journey just now, or do you want to come back to that? What suits best? Eh, no, yeah, we are happy for you to go for that just now. Yeah, TGF board journey has been insane to be honest I was elected on a two-year term we're about a year and a half in it feels like I've been on that board for literally about 100 years Um we've we've been through a lot as a group of people as a fan base as a support as a football club in in that 18 months and you know there's so much you could there's bits you could pick out I mean getting to a thousand members was an incredible moment for the foundation um, getting to 1,500 was probably even more insane, and we, we, we're, we're trending around about 1,700 right now, which, which is a super achievement. But well, there's so many different bits and pieces you could look back on, and I think we will look back on. Like I've I've got it all recorded. Like I've got a a wee notebook that I've kept of some of the highs and lows, let's say, and and things people and groups of people and you know we have said at different times and one day when I've got more energy and, and less time committed to the football club I might I might choose to do something with that but I've been really lucky having all of us in the foundation have been really lucky that met some amazing people again like my online persona perhaps when I was Hong Kong on the forums or sometimes it's like the overzealous Andrew Holloway on the on the various places is you know, I've, I've learned a lot about some of our support. Learned, I've met some class people who do so much for the football club, and I'd say that's probably one of the most enjoyable bits of the whole piece, to be honest. Uh, can I ask you a question, Andrew, about the the sort of election process? What would you say to somebody who's, who's thinking about it? Because am I right in saying there's, there's elections not too far in the future? Yeah. What would you say to somebody who's thinking about going for it? So in the summer, there will be two sets of elections. There'll be elections for a number of places in the Jags Foundation Board. That'll include my 
I, I'm I'm standing down in the summer. I think I think that's well known, um, certainly amongst my board, and I, I don't mind that being public knowledge. Um, others may choose to stand or may not, but there'll be there'll be at least three elected seats in in the summer in the foundation board, and there'll, and there'll also be fan rep seats as well to to sit on the football club board um, representing all beneficiaries. I would say if, if you love your football club and you love making a difference and you love working with a really, really good group of people, it, it's a fantastic thing to do. We're, we're really, I think we've, got a, we've already got a super cross-section of support representative in that board. The people, we had some great candidates um, last year and you know, some some great people got elected and some other people that weren't weren't able to be elected, but hope they, hope they return. You, you get to learn a lot about the way that, that football operates, the way the football club operates, you, you do get to influence change and and hear about what's going on. And if you've got a little bit of time and a little bit of creativity, a little bit of flair, and, and you know you you want to give back to your football club, I don't I don't think it's anything. I think it's a super thing to do. Actually, you know, frankly, like it's even from a sort of I don't know it's bizarre to say, but like from a CV perspective, it, it's just it gives you it gives you a different a different strand to you know something that you've done and something you've achieved and something you can be proud of, you, you get involved in some fascinating projects and some difficult projects as well. You get to you get to work with people who you probably wouldn't get to encounter in your maybe perhaps in your day-to-day life. I I work with some on the foundation board, you know, there, there's some incredible forces of nature in that board. Graeme Kerry is an obvious example. I would I know, I've known Graeme for a long time and getting to see how Graeme operates and and the value you can bring, you see a totally different side to people, and it, it's a good thing. And I'd, I'd urge as many people as possible if they would like to get involved, either as reps in the football club board. I think we're going to move on to talking about football club board perhaps at some point, and then on the TGF board, I'd say yeah, and speak to any of us. You can be totally open and honest about about what that looks like, and yeah, it's a cool thing to do. Do you want to come in there, Heather? Yeah, Matt, I was going to second exactly what Andrew said in the fact that um, I think that TGF has opened up so many doors to to um, to us as as Thistle fans. But, you know, it's a great way to to make friends, to make connections, to do something and make an impact and a change in your club, which you can be proud of for the for the future generations of Thistle fans. But I think also it's it's a really important thing for for people to um, at some point care a little bit more than just for what's going on on the pitch, but also the importance of this all being around for the the years and years to come and, and how fans are so, so important in that journey. I mean, no football club is anything without their fan base. And I think, you know, there's, there was a Twitter thing recently about the fact, like who's got the best fans outside the top flight and, I mean, loads of people were saying thistle, and it's and it's true. You know, we and I, yeah, we we say that with thistle tinted glasses, but uh, we have got a sensational support, and one of the the best ways to be involved in that support is being a Jags Foundation member, and 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 at some point giving something to the board. And I think that this will be this summer will be a, a really exciting time for the foundation, as there will be naturally a bit of change which I think is really really important um, because we can't stand still it can't be the same people all the time and I think this is a really exciting time for people to get involved and um, as Andrew said um, he's stepping away and so am I but um, that's not stepping away from the Jazz Foundation it's just from the board and uh, happy that 
that'll be you know new people to take on that role but also we we're not disappearing and we'll be there to talk to anyone and any and about anything and you know I've already said that I'll happily uh, lead a few things on it still but uh, I just think it's you know it's I think it's a great way for more people to be involved and maybe not the Holloway name everywhere. It's really good to hear the sort of the benefits that come of that, and we'll definitely chat closer to the time about how how you can get involved in the election process. But I do want to sort of touch on the challenges as well, like in terms of making sure that the club has become fan owned. What are the biggest challenges and sort of hurdles in the way of that being, Andrew? And then also, I want to ask you that the sort of challenges to to yourself personally. You mentioned social media earlier, and the open letter as well, and I think that open letter that was signed by so many people is an example of social media working really well, but then you obviously get the sort of vitriol on there as well. A question I'd maybe ask you then is, if, if this was happening 20 years ago without social media, do you think it would have been harder or easier to, to get to the point we're at just now? <laughs> um, harder, definitely, um, to, to create the traction those who operate the foundation's socials do a super job and those of us who maybe more get involved in the the written pieces which have got out to to members which we've done have used this team who get socials so i mean social media has been absolutely fundamental to our growth social media is a difficult place i mean we all know that in general do i love everything that is said about the foundation part of us are supporters my family on social media no do i respect people having different opinions for me to the foundation um absolutely totally respect it um there are some fans i'm, I'm delighted to obviously have all the members that we do and i respect it and I, we do not take it for granted i also totally respect people who place their funds with the football club in for other routes, for sponsorship, players fund, centenary fund, um, season tickets, taking their families along. I totally respect it. And I'll always respect anybody who owns an opinion with their name. I think the hardest bit for foundation board members is when perhaps people haven't put a name to the opinion and, and have said things that have been been difficult, been been challenging, um, perhaps in some cases, I, I'm not going to say untrue, but are pretty easily disprovable. That's probably been the, if I'm being honest, it's probably been the hardest bit of all of it for for a lot of our board and and some of us have pretty thick skinned. I don't I don't I don't take much of the sort of some of the less enjoyable content too seriously, but I I can't lie, it it it, it is a distraction sometimes, and um, I wish it didn't happen. Um, but at the same time, you know, it does happen, and we just have to get on with it. Um, in terms of over the last couple of years and TGF as a whole, is there anything? either you individually or you feel TGF would change about anything you've done in the last couple of years if you could you obviously mentioned you've got like your notebook of you no know, sort of highs and lows and stuff like that is there anything that kind of jumps out to you that you maybe look back on and think mm, we'd have maybe done it differently and is there any day that kind of stands out over the rest as well that you, you really enjoyed and thought we absolutely nailed it there's a couple of things that I've done differently we definitely should have consulted um, supporters on tranche one of the investments um, of that there's no doubt and take responsibility there like we got that wrong TGF as a group were not played in to the conversation the trustees were not played into the conversation until really late and that that wasn't right so we'd absolutely have have done that 
differently. Um, and indeed, all the safeguards that are now in place through the club trust agreement, which is, I think the consultation is pretty close to finishing on, um, and and some of the really hard work that the team are doing in the background to to make sure we can identify and communicate with all beneficiaries um, will mean that that can never happen again. In terms of other things, I, 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 I'm biased, but I think TGF in general have been good communicators. You know, we wrote some pretty punchy comms across our time. The, the dossier post being told we weren't going to get the shares in a random hotel suite in uh, Bells Hill. And it was about a nine minute meeting, Heather. Um, we worked really hard on that. We wanted to be honest, open and transparent with people. And I think we have been honest, open and transparent. One other thing I wish we got away from us a bit was a mention of the German model at one point. That got away from us a little bit. It was a good, it was a good lesson for us all and seeing what you mean. Um, and, but, but yeah, I mean, lowest, lowest point, lowest couple of lowest points was for me personally was when we got booted as TGF2 from and the, and the PTFC Trust got the shares. That was a low point when Sandy and I were invited in the tent a bit later in the year and saw where the finances were. It was a really low point because you were, and Sandy and I talked about it a lot. We were, we were carrying news that we couldn't share, but the news wasn't good news and it weighs you down a little bit sometimes. In terms of high points, David, there's been lots. There's been so many, you know, offhand I can think of seven or eight, the two members barbecues, TGF hospitality takeover, the Rangers game until what, what time did it was seven o'clock or half past seven. Um, and the, the pre the pre game event we had for that. Getting the club club trust agreement done. I mean it wasn't it wasn't always a highlight, but being asked by the TGF board to or supported by the TGF board to join the football club board as a highlight for me in a way. So many positives, so many, you know, being able to support her game to part of us, the women, youth academy, and um, the football club. Um, so many positives there, but you know, at the end of the day, sometimes the, the most positive bits are just the simple things. Like I, I, I won't forget the you know when Sandy stepped over, you know, getting you guys were there, the ovation he got that he deserved. Just just a nice moment of party festival fans coming together, and I, I guess that. You know, right through it, I think we've been at our best when we've, we've stuck together and I think we've built something that it, TGF is part of the football club. We've built something pretty cool, to be honest. Heather? Yeah, I just want to throw in another day in there, which was our um, TGF kind of, well, we kind of call it TGF day. I think it was the 12th of December and um, and that was quite a quite a special day and um, we kind of party in months. I think Alan McGraw ordered the cakes and it was all... It was that was that was a great day too, but I think Andrew's really summed that up well in the sense of there's been um there has been some pretty low moments and I think him and I will never forget uh that that hotel and 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 what that and what that day meant. I think we went home and I drew birds with Andrew's daughter for for um for an hour just to kind of take my mind off um the kind of difficult stuff that we'd gone through that day, but then to like you know six months later to be where we were you know celebrating with our fans and uh you know with, with with the jazz foundation involved it's um you know it's it's a it's a great thing to to look back on and it's just crazy as andrew said that 
um, him and I have been on this board for a year and a half and um, and it feels like it's been our whole our whole life and I think that our family uh, and his wife and 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 our and our mum are quite excited for family occasions not to turn into a TGF board meeting but um you never know that might that might not end but uh but yeah I think I just want to second what Andrew said that we've had so many amazing moments as as, as a jazz foundation and it's been so great to be to celebrate that not just as as our as our nine but as a collective fan base and and just the fact that I think one of the best moments ever was when we and you remember when we hit a thousand the Alan McGraw thousand like you know yeah. all those those small moments like that is just um just makes it all worth it do you want to come back on there David uh yeah I was just going to ask about a question for both Heather and Andrew this might sound a bit strange but Obviously, one of the, the beauties of the Jags Foundation was it was people coming from sort of different backgrounds and stuff like that who maybe weren't the best of friends. Around, like not, you know, you know, they, they didn't really operate in different social circles. And one of the beauties of the Jags Foundation for ourselves is, I mean, well, Heather, you came on when, what, what episode now? Like, what, 100 odd episodes ago as a member of the Jags Foundation and have turned into like a regular podcaster here and had things spin off from that. But the, the thing I wanted to ask is obviously because it was a big group of people who maybe weren't as integrated as possible. What's it like going through that with like your brother or sister, like having someone who's your family who's there all the time? Like, what what is that like? Uh, you see a different side to the person that you would normally see. So I see Heather as a sister, and I'm to my two wee girls and. Yeah, so I, I see Heather in that role and as a daughter to my support to my mum and dad as well. Whereas and we don't we talk about work, right? And I, I, I would guess, and this is not speaking ill of Heather, that I would probably understand what she does better than she understands what I do. So I think I can as as, you know, a, a dad with, you know, kids of just about school age, I can I can I think I can in general when you say teacher. You can in general understand what that person might do when you see tax advisor, corporate side, like people are like, what the hell does that guy actually do day to day? And so I, I saw Heather and I were both part of TGF2 negotiating. We've sat on a lot of board meetings together, probably seen the best and worst of each other in some ways across this. So yeah, you, you learn a bit about your, learned a lot about Heather probably. <laughs> you, you, I've learned where everybody on the TGF board sit in terms of the, Tipping point was there have been times when things have got hard and things have got emotional. So yeah, um, all right. I mean, we don't we don't obviously we don't live together, so we don't we don't we don't actually see each other like huge amounts. So yeah, um, I think it's I think it's good. I think personally, of it, it's been good to do it together. But I would also say that we're independent of each other in this board as well. We we don't always vote the same way. We don't always have the same view on things and I think that's good and that's and that's refreshing. Yeah, I would come in there and say that I've got to see my brother in a in a different light and I've and you know I've I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan of my family. I champion everything they, they do always and I think it's just been an interesting way to see, as Andrew said, like the world that he works in, which maybe isn't a natural place for me. But I think for me, you know, as Andrew said, like he's got children and um, 
and we you know when I'm with Andrew usually I'm anti Hev and and it was a nice it's actually been a nice way for him and I to be adults together without you know without making hammer you know and that kind of thing but I mean also it's it's also great you know Andrew and I have um known each other for a very long time and know each other's humor and sometimes in board meetings I'll just catch his eye and we'll have a great a good laugh about something and um that, that we him and I have found quite funny and it's quite it's good to have someone who reads you so well in that room and I actually think I'm probably the luckiest person there because Andrew reads me like an apps like a book and um and he knows exactly how I feel so after like difficult decisions happen to know that the, that someone's there who literally knows me off by heart is is quite it's been quite special to be honest and um but yeah also like when things frustrate you when you can go to someone and and absolutely go to like you know just share how you feel and know that it's not going anywhere because it's not just a friend it gen- like it's like your blood and that we'd never do that to each other so I'm saying that and by that maybe I'm just going to told Sandy everything I've said but you know what I mean just like that 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 person that you just know you can say something to and and then it's done and and you, and you get over it but I th- as Andrew said like we're not afraid to question each other about things and I think maybe at times we can actually be a bit more honest with each other than other people can. I'm glad you asked that question, David. I was I enjoyed listening to both of your answers, and I'm sorry to have to bring this back round to sort of problems and challenges. <laughs> um, but we'll bring it back. We'll have a positive end. Um, but can you give us a sort of insight, Andrew, into how sort of bad the, the club situation was um, last summer after the, the playoff? I, I know it was sort of well well documented. Um, and then can you sort of give us an insight into the steps taken to to get to where we are today? And has has the situation improved? Uh, Compared to June, we are recording this yeah, the 5th of February. <laughs> so, over a year ago, as I said, Sandy and I were allowed into the tent and got a feel for where things were and it didn't feel great. If I'm honest, frankly, and I think this has been said before, our season, going as long as it did, wasn't great either because transparency, open and honesty were committed to but no distraction on the pitch was probably a fair defence for not doing it until the season finished the fact our season ran so long I'm not going to talk about it too much but probably you know it was, it was great fun and all that most of the time but um, we didn't really help you know the wider piece um, situation was pretty bad I mean Without, without saying too much, it's probably all been said before, the finances were difficult, lots of things were difficult inside the football club, there'd been obviously a breakdown of the boards, there was a need for stability and a need to make difficult decisions and, and quick decisions. I think personally I completely misjudged what the role of a football club director might be, obviously sat on the board for 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 seven months and it becomes, quite frankly, all-consuming in some ways, some days. Board meetings, you know, during work hours, five or six hours, probably a bit of prep, a lot of follow-up. But, but because there was so much change in the football club, um, change for good, but also change because, change for change, with no real sort of stability of the football club board, the, the chief exec was changed, there was a lot of staff turnover. We were lacking in footballers to, to play a football season. There was concerns around the budget. There was things to think about regarding the academy. 
there was lots of things coming up that because we were all quite new into it, we probably, you know, I, I, my guess is if you've sat on a football club board for a few, year, for a few years, um, or at least a couple of seasons, there'll be a bit of consistency to it. You know, different parts of it will be busy and different parts of it will be quieter. It, it never felt quiet. There was, a, there was a few weeks at one point where it settled down again. But when, you know, we had a cash pinch that, that meant that without the Rangers Cup game, we'd have ran out of money in February last year, which is terrifying. We had a cash pinch again that, that without the investment, we'd have ran out of money again. Right now, the club is definitely in a better place than it was. I think yeah, the season ticket sales were insane last year. The, the volume and the speed that they went um, is a credit to everybody who, who bought one. The team are doing well. You know, we're in a different position to last year and we've actually got some footballers signed up for next year and I actually personally think some quite good ones. You know, we've got the young boys, um, Ben Stanway, Aidan Fitzpatrick, James Lyon. Um, I now can't remember who our young players are. It's been has been a long day. I'm actually not seeing the team play for a couple of weeks. Maybe starting to to lose myself a little bit here. You know, we've got other people signing up for next season. We've got the you know, the boy we signed from Rafe at the back. We've got Harry Milne. We've got Brian Graham, obviously Stevie Lawless. And we've got Bones a really good squad signed up for next season. That's that's different to what went before. There's improvements being made around the the football club. There's new people bedding into roles. Chris Ross has been there for a while now and he's doing a really good job and just it, it will become easier as people just are allowed to settle into the roles more. Do I think we are completely out of the woods yet? Absolutely not. Um, I feel like there's a lot of hard work to be done. Do I think we're in a significantly stronger position than we were 12 months ago? Absolutely, yeah. Do I think having a strong TGF supporting the football club helps? Beyond doubt. But um, there's also space for Others to support and, and other groups of supporters who perhaps aren't totally aligned to TGF to support too. And I think we're on a journey. Obviously, the accounts, the AGM was recently, the accounts for May 23 were appalling. I think we should we should hope for improvement in May 24. And then the football club should hopefully strive to be able to stand on its own two feet. And yes, there's still, as I said, there's still work to be done. But I feel a lot more optimistic about it than I did. Uh, last Christmas, when at different points I probably felt like crying, if I'm honest. David, do you want to come back in? You recently had a spell on the club board as TGF's rep. For a fan who who has no sort of concept of what the the club, like someone on the club board does, how would you how would you explain it in layman's terms to someone who's just completely cold to the concept and doesn't know it? And what what have been your main takeaways from that time on the board? Um. It's not what anybody thinks it is. There are highlights to it, right? I did not enjoy my time on the club board, but you're quickly forced to learn lots of things about the football club that you never thought you'd need to learn. And you also get to understand when you've been a shouty fan or somebody who's been forthright about things from the outside, you get to see what it actually is in the inside. And you and you said, you know, I, I'll personally say that some of the things that maybe shouty Andrew Holloway said in his Twitter account or Facebook at 2018 probably don't don't look 
I, I look back and I go, I don't, I, I'm glad I said it, but maybe I wish I'd said it differently. You know, you, you get bizarre things like, you get bizarre things coming up to you like, oh, are we going to put VAR on for the Hearts game? Was a good example. You just get a text round basically and WhatsApp and I mean that. And that's, that's the best way to do it. The email will come in formally to, to the chief executive of the football club and it will say, look, um, you've got the opportunity to turn on VAR for the Hearts game. This is how much it's going to cost. You want to turn on VAR, and you have to make that decision. You know the board, the or recommendations made to the board by the the football department or by Chris, and you have to sort of opine in that. And you know you, you've quickly you, you're not really I don't know how to best put this, but you have to treat the football club like not like you're a fan. You you have to treat it like it's a a fan owned business that you want to run successfully and you know, operate efficiently and effectively. So you you see decisions and you see like I, I I love it when I look on transfer deadline day and you've got people tweeting, oh, where's the pen smiley and where's the signing emoji and all that good stuff. And you're like, oh, please no signing emojis today because you know we're we're cooked and the, the, the playing budget is fully deployed and you know you or you, you read some, you, things happen. You know, maybe a member of staff moves on or there's a change in the football club boards and you read some spectacular takes. And you know, I was probably one of those people who had the odd spectacular take on something. And I look back now and I reflect and I go, God, if only you knew what was going on inside. Like, and a lot, so many decisions that were made or things that happened between maybe on the board from about what, June the 14th, 12th, whatever it was, until the AGM, I understand and I stand by, but I can also totally understand why some of them don't look great on the outside. And, you know, part of our, our ownership journey and part of our fan ownership journey is to continue to be as transparent as, as we possibly can. But, you know, I get that things like the situation where a board removes a, a chairperson or, you know, where a member of staff moves on or when sometimes you don't get enough time to think in a in your role, you just have to, you have to do what you think is right. But I, I totally get that sometimes that that maybe doesn't look as, it doesn't look clever from the outside. And I learned a lot. I learned, I learned some really good, some, some super people, Dougie McRae, super impressive person who, She's committed so much time and, and money to party festival over the years. Really enjoyed working with Dougie and some of our super people on the board. You know, uh, Caroline's great and, and does so much for football club and PTFC women. And then you've got others there who, who fulfil such an important function. And um, yeah, I think that answers the question. Although I think it might be drifting a little bit. Who knows? I'll come back to you, Andrew, on something you said. I'm not going to ask you about spectacular takes because as a host of a weekly party Thistle <laughs> podcast, we're probably on the firing line now. But you, you said you needed to learn things that you never thought you'd need to learn. Like, What would be the sort of standout example of that that made you sort of your eyes widen when you, you picked up? Um, some of the commercial deals that, yeah. that were on the table at the football club and understanding what that meant. I can now you know, I can reel off how we are remunerated on a, from the catering at the football club, you know. I can now probably understand why 
when you walk into the John Lambie stand, there's that horrendous smell in the left-hand corner and behind the turnstiles as you move in. I can completely get that. I can see when we want, you know, say, for example, we've, we've, got, we've got a pitch. A pitch is, is only used 18 times a year, but we as fans want to see a green, green grass and, you know, 18 home games on the pitch a year plus a couple of cup games. But I can totally see the benefit in a ground-sharing agreement. I'm not saying for a second that that's happening. It's not happening. But, you know, if the odds, if Rangers B want to play a friendly or a, a cup game or Scotland youth want to play a game at Firhill, when you, when, you, when you step back and see it as a business, you can completely understand why it's good money, you know? Yep. And there's there's lots of things that that came up and you're like, God, people are moaning, moaning to me about the catering. I remember first game on the board, um, Heather took Evie and Evie wanted to see her dad at half time. So I walked round past the Falkirk support, I think it was, and went in and a guy came up to me, totally nice, shook my hand and said, there's no pies. And I was like, right, okay, right, let me take that back. I didn't understand the catering deal at that point. Then I went back and did a little bit of work around understanding the catering deal. I was like, it's nothing really to do with me and the football club wouldn't even need the football club. But, um, there's no prize. It's an outsourced operation and on the, that's the responsibility of, of prize sports. But uh, you have to be furnished with so much stuff that you're just like, why do I know this? You know, I can't really describe some of the stuff that player bonuses, you know, um, the cleaning costs at the football club, you know, how much it costs to deploy a new lawnmower. Can we get volunteers to support us tidy up the laundry room? All these things, like, it, it all flows around the football club and particularly in the, in the, in the position that we were, the, the board were having to be quite hands-on just with some of the change that was going on. Some of the stuff you learn is spectacular um, and, and utterly useless apart from in the moment where it's very important to somebody so you have to help them make a good decision, you know? Sure. Heather? Um, I just wanted to ask Andrew, as I actually don't know the answer to this question, um, what's been the the best away boardroom you've been in or like a fun interaction that you've maybe had with like someone that you've met in the boardroom either at at Thistle or um or in an away because I know you've been to a few of them now the best you can look at best in different ways the most complete football experience was undoubtedly Tynecastle bar the football off the pitch experience the, on the pitch that day was really sad and bad but um, on I mean they, they've got obviously a super set up there at Tynecastle we were really well looked after we had, we had a number of the sponsors with us um, and a couple of guests and everyone really really enjoyed that it was a really sunny day a lot of that went right in terms of in the championship um, personally thought Morton was a super set up I know it's a really unpopular take here but I quite like Kaplow as a ground. The Morton board were very nice people. We were very well looked after. The food was excellent. And we beat them 4-1. I mean, you know, what, what more could you ask for? There's one or two other boardrooms that I enjoyed. There's one or two that I maybe just found a little bit stiff. Yeah, I mean, the others, I mean, Peterhead was great fun. Lovely people up at Peterhead. Nice. Actually, 
the one that people will be surprised that I would say was a really good experience was Dundee United. I was there twice, cup game in the league game. And their board are a really nice bunch of people, really good company and um, full of chat. And I probably didn't expect that. I probably expected the Dundee United board, perhaps you haven't just come down, perhaps to be a little bit stiff or to sort of be a little bit above. But I thought, you know, I, I met them three times. Really, obviously, they came through to Firhill when they beat us five 0 as well, and they were they were very good that day as well. And so, yeah, it, it, I would never on boardrooms. I'd never judge a book by the cover of that. Makes sense. Um, we Evie's been with me to a few of the boardrooms. She's got some interesting comments that she makes around, you know, the size and temperature of a couple of boardrooms was criticised, as well as the condition of one particular football club's toilets got torn apart by Evie, but I won't I won't name the clubs, but uh, Evie doesn't miss and she's five years old, so she says how she feels and, and gets it off her chest. But one one thing I would say is that in general, as a young far younger board member than a lot of people in football club boards, um right round Scotland, Evie did come with me quite a few times and um Ruby did occasionally, but Evie was probably more present away and the no, everyone was really super with with her and looking after, and I, I did. I always found that impressive when when we went to different places that they would they would they would look at they would roll out for her. They should get you know she'd get her accreditation, she'd get her, her ticket and stuff like that, and you know she'd get her special person showing her getting her food and drink, and that was small things, but that those touches are important when you go somewhere. And we mentioned earlier now that the chair of the Jags Foundation, you've replaced Sandy Fife, who you mentioned earlier as well, who did a fantastic job. How easy is it to, to sort of step into his shoes? Is it just a case of sort of picking up where he left off? And do you think anything's going to change for the, the Jags Foundation that now there's been a change in that role, a change for its members at all, or is it just going to be business so, as usual? I think if Sandy stepped down at the point that we got the club trust agreement in place, you know, TGF, as a trustee of the the PTFC Trust, alongside the the Jags Trust, have a really important role. Sandy's it's it's been well trailed, and, and I've said it on a number of occasions. You'll never replace Sandy Fife. He did a super job, absolutely outstanding leader of the foundation for a very difficult time, and he entirely deserves the chance to step back. I think going forward, the foundation will continue to champion for openness, honesty, transparency. Um, and you know, building a fan on football club that we can all be proud of, that's ingrained in the community and is, is supportive of all facets of the football club, be that you know, men's first eleven, uh, women's uh, PTC ladies, the academy, the part of a sweep academy, um, and and the wider community in terms of projects that that won't change our relationship. You know, we have a nominated. Stuart Callison the, and the football club board will do a super job, um, knows what he's doing, he's hugely experienced. I think with the foundation, we'll continue to look after members, to continue to represent members, continue to hopefully do fun things for members, release a bit more merchandise perhaps, um, continue to pins, run events, run competitions, and hopefully continue to grow the membership. That's important. And and I'd love if anybody's listening and isn't a member or or would like to have a chat about the benefits membership by the foundation, please reach out to, to any of us. I, I've said that the one one small thing I would say is that I'd, I'd 
we completely acknowledge the foundation isn't for every day. There's going to be no hard sell. Um, there are other ways, as I said earlier, in the, when you asked, asked a different question, there are other ways to, to put into the football club. And I, 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 all, all I would like to see is a, a thriving Jags Foundation, a thriving Jags Trust, and a sustainable um, fan-owned football club that, that can be around for, for all of us and for the next generation and for their next generation as well. So more of the same, looking after members, having a bit of fun, holding the club board to account when we feel that we have to. You know, we will, we will absolutely, we've got no fear of doing that. And if difficult conversations need to be had, we will absolutely have them. There's no fear of that in the football club board. But hopefully, in, you know, in a, on a good wind and we're hopefully chartered towards a, a period of where it's less bumpy and less jumpy. And that, that would be good for, for everybody in terms of <laughs> just their ability to think and, you know, mental health and all that good stuff because in the last 18 months, 24 months perhaps, we'll have taken their toll and different people and I think we have to respect that as well. David, Andrew might have just sort of half answered it there, but last question from you. Yeah, well actually uh, I, I've, got, I've got one quick question on that one. So first of all, what is that smell um, in the John Lambie stand that you mentioned? <laughs> I, you know, I, I was... I just asked, and it's it's all to do with I think how they they look after and sustain the the pitch. I every time I went to Verhill for a board meeting, there was things happening on the pitch. It was never there was always work being done by the outstanding ground staff we've got on. You know, they'd be at different parts of the pitch. They'd be working on areas of it. They'd be looking to improve drainage, blah blah, blah everything like that, and it. All that was back there was just, you know, things that they used to, to help the condition of the grass in the park. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it really, did, it, to me, it made total sense what I was told. But, like, see, when I used to walk in and it was like, why does it smell so rubbish? It kind of makes sense, you know, um, now. But, yeah, so hopefully that's a satisfactory answer, David. I love that David's left. Like he's literally, he's heard Andrew's answer, and 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 he's and Andrew's firstly just proved his idea that there's no cash machines in Greenock. Now has has explained the reason why there's a smell, and it's not to do with I don't know horses. And David just decided he's gone. <laughs> well, I'll ask David's last question then, and you did sort of touch on it. It was going to be where do you see uh, the Jags Foundation and the football club in five years? Uh, obviously, after they've lifted the 2029 Europa Conference. Well, that'd be ideal. Um, five years' time, I think you've got to hope that the Premier League Football Club, a sustainable fan owned Premier League Football Club, of course, but I'd like to think that we'll build out capability on the pitch and off the pitch to, you know, be thriving in, you know, from a from a commercial perspective, you know, doing the right thing, you know, I'd like to make, I'd like to think that PTFC women are still a top six football club and, and doing great things. Um, Academy's doing really well and continue to produce a stream of talent that, that moves into the first team and that the first team have had some success um, in terms of at some point um, climbing into the Premier League and then holding that position 
I think we should absolutely aspire to be up there. I don't think it's straightforward. I think but there's lots of good examples of football clubs who, in my mind, are at very least similar size or probably a little bit smaller than us who have, who have gone on to do some pretty good things in Scottish football. And I think we shouldn't fear having that aspiration. You look at similar and a good example, you know, they're, they're doing great. Motherwell have had a bit of a trying time this season, but you know, in general, have been have been doing well. It isn't so long ago, and I, I, I know I'm, I'm not quite comparing like the fight, but it isn't so long ago that Kilmarnock were down in our league, and now you look at them. I mean, they're 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 doing well, and both on and off the pitch, the the business model's strong, and they've got they've got it right on the pitch as well. You know, and there's no reason why, maybe not quite at the scale of Kilmarnock, but there's maybe no there's no reason why. Party Bissell can't be there as well. You know, over the last 18 months, for, for all sorts of reasons, and the foundation can take some credit, but but so can many others, not least um, Chris, um, Dylan, Brian Graham, probably do it for Helen Peters Hill, like really brought together the fan base, you know, galvanised a bit of a movement. And, you know, as long as, you know, the football club board continue to treat the owners our fans um, as adults and, and we and we go on a journey together, there's no reason why I think we can't be really, really successful. And I'd love to see us, obviously it's just the, the stock answer talking about Barry Bristol, but I'd love to see us win something, Matt. I'd love to see us win a, win a trophy. I, I, I think it's incredible how long we've not won something for us. Obviously, all my hopes are pinned on March the 24th to see our see Brian and the girls hopefully spectacularly beat Rangers um, but I'd love to see success right across and winning something would be winning something meaningful would be really really good I'd love that certainly fingers crossed uh, we said at the start of the episode that a, a half hour or so we've reached the hour mark so very very <laughs> last question Andrew um, how many bites does it take you to eat a cream egg wow Eh. Uh, God, David's back just for that. Welcome. Um, I've asked a hard hitting question to finish, David. How many Tabasa takes to meet a cream egg? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I, was, I came back just to see if you'd ask it to be honest. <laughs> so, I'm going to give it, I've got, <laughs> as maybe trailed by uh, everyone's, my, my favourite Twitter account, um, I've got adult braces, right? So I sometimes really struggle to bite down on food, like a cream egg to sort of cut through is a bit really difficult for me sometimes. So I would say I need to probably only take five or six at least bites for me to, to get through it. How exciting an answer is that? You haven't, you haven't had that answer before, have you? I, I think I was. So. I, I think that's a, maybe it's a Holloway thing. There you go. Anyway, Andrew, we'll let you get out of here because you've been very generous with your time. And Heather as well. Uh, you weren't introduced at the start, but you, you did contribute. So <laughs> thank you as well, Heather. And David, well done for appearing in 90% of this episode. That's yeah. some good work. <laughs> Lorraine Kelly of the podcast. Thanks very much for having me on. Um, yeah, um, I'll see you all. I, I'm, I'm not making the Livingston game, but hopefully see some or all of you um, at Inverness.